attract customers and he does the zoo and he gets free tickets. I haven't been because he was during COVID. Anyway, so we're in. I think maybe we should, first of all, we'll introduce in a second, but I think uh, the general gist of the conversation is we deal in physical buildings and designs and things. However, the digital side is so important now, probably more important than it ever has been because of the last two years. So framing that, we just think it's really important that we're always, we understand and we're ahead and we understand the benefits and what technology can do. And I will talk about Temporal and what you do. But um, Jazz, why don't you introduce yourself quickly? Should you introduce yourself? Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm Ben Stewart. I'm uh, one of the co-founders of Able Partners. Uh, we're here with Bill Webb, who's the other co-founder. And we are doing a kind of podcast series. We're calling it Conversations, all about digital and physical office, but also mostly work. So how can we... Work's changing so dramatically. I mean, I know you posted lots about hybrid working. Everything's changing. Everything's up in the air. And I don't think anyone has a proper answer for what's the best thing, best solution. So we're talking to lots of different people. You sit very heavily in the digital tech side. But we're also talking to CEOs of other companies, places that have big offices, you know, five, five, 500 people offices, people with three people. And we want to know how everyone's operating that. So Jazz, give us a bit of background before we pile in what, what you do. Ba- background to me? Yes. My you, life? You, yes, yeah. Cool, yeah. Um, so my name is Jazz Hanley. Um, I'm currently sales director at Temporal, um, but been kind of fascinated in the technology kind of startup space for probably the past six, seven years now. Um, I was very fortunate to work for an organization called Tech Nation, um, who are kind of a government-funded entity to evangelize entrepreneurship and startup scale-ups kind of right across the UK. So my job was generally just the best job, I think, in in, in the entire UK, where I was going around pretty much every major city and, and town and, and village and meeting these amazing entrepreneurs who are coming up with these incredible businesses um, and just trying to help them and, you know, watching some of these companies grow. And, and we got very close to businesses, you know, like, uh, you know, a, a Monzo or a, a TransferWise or a Hook Group in, in the Northwest. Um, and, you know, then had the appetite to, well, I'm, I'm helping, I'm helping these scale-ups all day, every day. It's probably time to join one and, and, and figure out how it is on the other side. And, um, very different, very interesting. And yeah, that's where I'm at now with Temporal. And, and, and we're scaling really nicely. I, I'm sure we'll get onto what we do. But um, I was going to say that because almost every time you interview someone, you end up thinking, that job sounds incredible. I would love to do that as a career. And, and working with a lot of startups is exactly that. You must think, this is a great company culture. God, how, how? I mean, nearly most of the times when I'm given a, a demo of the product, I think well, this is this is obviously going to be huge. You know, I, I don't often uh, sort of see see the shortcomings, and you, and you must get terribly like involved in those businesses and that and that that excitement. I, I was wondering, are these mostly innovation of sort of there's a need, there's an existing technology, this is a new application of it that solves that need, or is it deep tech AI? Think you know, thinking maths and or, or a, a mix of all of yeah. those. I, I think it's um, I think it's a very, it's a very interesting question. And look, there, there isn't really a set formula, set recipe to to why some companies seemingly become um, extremely successful and and just you know kind of incredible brands, etc. It, it it just there's, there's some special source. But I think to your point there, I think one of the most interesting things, if you think about all the large, large, large companies and, and banking or fintech is probably the best way to, to describe this is think about HSBC. Um, hopefully this podcast isn't sponsored by HSBC, but uh, H- HSBC, they do pretty much everything as it pertains to, um, to, to, to banking, right? They do foreign exchange, they do current accounts, they do mortgages, they do um, you know, loans, uh, you know, everything you can think of. And you think what's happened in the fintech is, you know, people like TransferWise have gone in and gone, well, we can do exchange much, much, much better than you. So we're going to do that. And, and Monzo and Starling wouldn't do current accounts much better than you. And now they're beginning to expand into kind of more kind of financial institutions. But you think about where a lot of these companies started, they've kind of looked at the big behemoth and gone, well, they're kind of, ma- say, master of none, kind of very loosely. But they've gone like, okay, well, they do everything. What we're going to do is put all of our resources into... Um, into this specific thing. And, and you can bring it back even to, you know, when Amazon began, you know, they were like, we're going to do online better than anyone else. And, and Barnes and & Noble, which was the big bookstore in the US at the time, 
were, were kind of foot in both camps and they just couldn't kind of balance the books basically so i think i think that's where a lot of it comes from it's well, this is a little bit inefficient how do i want to make it more efficient and i think i i can do that with this particular solution whatever that may be see i think that's interesting that like fragmentation so i could see you know actually hsbc if you're a lazy middle-aged man if they if you've got an account with them why not have a mortgage why not set up a business account and there's a sort of synergy and benefit but we we were a new business and we set it up suddenly you realize why am i paying for all this overhead and all this real estate that you know that high street banks carry and i go to a challenger bank and they'll they'll do it for nothing and i get all the services and you're right then they build the data then they build the customers suddenly that's fees are introduced and I don't they're not they're sort of marginal so they're not relevant suddenly I need to remortgage my house and this particular challenger bank says well you know what come to us or they probably know that I'm going to remortgage because of because of my other spending habits so yeah I think it's I think it's fascinating I'm interested in that idea of like fragmentation and we're, we're beginning to talk about work you know workplace and activity-based working so there will Companies will fragment to those like a, a friend of mine at Spotify. Basically, they've said you can work at home forever. And I think that will lead to the removal of their uh, offices completely. They're a rights business, loads of lawyers, the kind of work that can happen remotely. Then we've got other people, certainly in architecture and banking. They want everyone back in and they're 100%. And it seems that it will fragment like that and there won't be a one solution but we there, there are trends towards it and i think that sort of activity based where we can write a, i can write a better article by sitting at home but you know you can't schedule innovation and you can't do that at work and i think you know we're seeing that fragmentation in businesses and now we're seeing it in the workplace yeah and i think i think one of the key drivers for me is is i think a lot of people are, are always asking the question um you know what's going to be the next thing what what's going to what's going to, in in 10 years what is you know what's everything going to look like what's the next technology you know the metaverse you know is is that going to be the big thing in 10 years time and ultimately no one knows really i mean you can make logical bets um and also there's this tendency to when the next thing arrives you immediately dismiss the thing that was kind of prevalent before it's like well that's rubbish this is great but it never quite works like that and i think one of the key things is especially with 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 work and and with this kind of you know work life balance and how work sits within your your life because I think it's more of a kind of a, a you know a, a more of a, a synergy now rather than here's work and here's home life is it's focusing on the things that are like never going to change and and ultimately you think about in ten years time in a hundred years time in in, in a thousand years time you know God only knows what, what that what that would look like but nobody's ever going to be sitting there at work thinking. I wish I had a worse experience. I wish this was worse. Uh, you know, it, it's just never going to happen. You, you say that, but I struggle to imagine what people did at work before computers. Like, what did everyone do? Like, you know, like read the post and think, all right, I'll sit down and make my letters yeah. for the next 20 minutes. Like, what were they doing? I don't know. I, you know, I know you're right. But actually at architecture school, they say a hearth or a home. What did that look like a thousand years ago? Well, there was a fire and we all sat around and we prepared food and we spoke. And when we're designing a modern home, you know, those key elements have got to be there. So I, I, you're absolutely right, of course. Like what isn't going to change is a good, good place I, to start. I also think like the best technology you forget. You just like, for example, Teams wasn't even a thing or is a thing on my laptop that I never even used. And then suddenly COVID hit and it became the thing that I live on. And now... It's just part of our, it's so boring. It's so clever, but it's so dull. All the best technologies just become really dull and just sit in your everyday life. And I, th I think, Bill, you, you literally just hit the nail on the head there because you were like, well, well, at some point in the last couple of decades, we transitioned from a world where digital technology supplemented in-person communication to them the other way around. So in-person communication and collaboration supplements the di digital and we never really noticed kind of when that happened. It was just like, oh, yeah, I, I'm on Slack and emails all day or I'm on Microsoft Teams. I, I, it, it, and I think that you're totally right. It's kind of that this technology's come in and it's it, it kind of when it happens, you're like, oh, this is better. But you don't really notice it as explicitly as maybe you should. Or you look back and you're like, wow, yeah, what did people do before the internet? But actually, it's been a very gradual kind of movement as, as it's kind of come in. Or, or the step shift isn't what you necessarily think. Like what, WhatsApp group messages. I have a, a brother who lives in a really remote part of the UK. It changed us. He, he was part of this family conversation and we were swapping daily news. 
and it wasn't a big technological leap in fact what's that it was it was a small you know that's it was like what could have been like a marginal change in messaging actually had this transformative approach and i think that's quite interesting and i sat sat next to an interesting chap dude that did um sort of finance tech startups and he's like look we're not looking for new operating systems we're looking for marginal gains where a trader might get their coffee more quickly so that they can get get another five minutes at their terminal and these aggregated up have have a big impact i heard the the phrase that is the dark social media isn't it it's like shadow social media it's like the like whatsapp there's huge groups that exist on whatsapp that no one gets any data from or no one even knows they're existing whereas people don't really want to post on facebook anymore because you might as well be shouting on the high street at random but, but, but i think to that to that point ben, it's, just, it's super interesting because i think um you know a lot, a lot of stuff comes comes from gaming right and you think about to, to your point about you, you basically just keep adding on to technology so you think about the way you message you know 15 years ago it was sms and you had a limit on how many actually characters you could put in that's when we had all those kind of weird like t9 <laughs> <laughs> um and then it got oh we can do longer messages so we'll do full sentences oh we can send pictures oh we can send gifs oh we can send videos oh i can just record a video and ultimately like the metaverse or what you know that, that's just an extension of that and you can bring that to gaming right in you know back in the day it was kind of pong or 2d kind of game or it was text-based and then it became, oh, the 3D graphics. Oh, wow, it's, it's more immersive. Oh, it can do Oculus and VR. And the extension, the, the kind of the overall extension of that is, wow, I'm actually in, in the game. And, and that is, I think, just another leap in terms of this kind of, we're on. It's not, we haven't gone from Pong to, you know, whatever the Oculus kind of big kind of VR game is in one go. It's like, yeah, I want to be more immersive. I want to be more involved in this. And that's probably the same way with work. It's like, you know, we're kind of seeing this multimedia explosion and, you know, it was first Facebook, which is status text based. And now Instagram, TikTok are all, you know, you don't write, you just, you just record basically. And, you know, the extension of that again would be, well, I, I kind of want to be in these videos, which is kind of a weird maybe thing to there's think a, about. There's a big technology shift happening. I Like, it's just funny when you mentioned I'd forgotten T9 texting stuff. <laughs> my, you know, when like my friend got the first iPhone and he could just click send, 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 send. And on an old phone, you were like, I can't deal with 400 messages. <laughs> you bricked my phone. But we've got the same issue where like with the, everyone thinks the metaverse is going to be amazing. No one really knows how or what's going to happen. But you know, like two years ago, no one thought Teams and Zoom would suddenly what quadruple 10 10x fold in investment. And there's so many people at home now. The market is so big for something to come. So should we hit that. should we target that? Jazz, you mentioned yeah. the metaverse twice. Come on. Is it an iPhone strapped to your face? Or is it <laughs> an ice ice cream box strapped <laughs> yeah. to your face? Uh, I mean that that sense of inclusion it must bring for the, the that is one of the main challenges to remote working well, well t- tell us about the metaverse look i think the metaverse itself um i think i think we're all still trying to figure out like ultimately you know what is this and it's a play by by mainly facebook right to try and to try and rebrand the internet i think that that's essentially what they're they're trying to do in in kind of my, in my eyes um it, it you know for what that that um that that's worth um, but all, you know, I think it goes back to what we talked about. What are the core human values that people want? People want connection. They want to feel valued. They want experiences that they never had before. Or they can't have otherwise. So I think this is, again, just as technology and, and 5G gets better, connectivity gets better, it, you know, people will want and, and will yearn for experiences they've never quite had before. And I think you know, lockdown was a, a huge thing around this, you know, and you probably saw, you know, even I ended up buying a, a kind of an Oculus during it. There they go. <laughs> I've, I've, I don't know about you, but I've only used it a couple, a couple of times. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but, but it is, you know, you're kind of like, wow, this is an experience that I've, 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 I've never had because I'm, I, I, I kind of need stimulation. And I think ultimately that that's the kind of thing, the, the need that we're going for, right? I want to feel valued. I want to feel included and think about like a lot of people like communities online and, and you're seeing this with you know the crypto and and the kind of the nft space it's a lot about community building and trying to meet people in in, in other ways because people aren't going to bars and pubs and actually just chatting to people you know randomly and kind of making connections and friends that way and if we bring that back to like this idea of the the nth floor that nikki whiteman introduced me, me to was uh you know the that that digital community around a building and for for us, that's interesting. In that, how can you how can you make people feel part of something who are going to 
be coming to the physical space, but actually living a lot of that life outside it. And the the, the opportunity for that internationally from uh, uh, commercial relationships, how, uh, be exposing the values of your business by managing it and championing certain things. And the opportunity is is huge. What, you know, what is what does that look like on a, on a very on a base level? We're seeing these tenant experience apps, so you kind of clock in and you can see, oh, it's Valerie's birthday, or we're doing a fun run, or you know, we're going to all meet in the breakout lobby, and there's there are things kind of like that. Then there's these these big kind of you know digital platforms for sharing workloads and things, and I think that's actually certainly in architecture. You know, the Revit 360 and all that space. That's where a lot of the collaboration goes on, and that's that's a big community. Like it's technical and it's and it's about construction, but it's actually where a lot of the exchange goes. I was I was just going to add to that. So the, the two things. One is I saw that you can hire, you can go to meet doing a digital meeting space but instead of it being in a mark zuckerberg cloud on a, on, a, on, a, on a satellite around the earth or whatever they do it in like the top floor of the shard so it's essentially like a tourist experience but you can choose like where should we have our virtual meeting today you can just choose an iconic part of london and i think the closer it's getting to replicating a physical environment not the, the mind of some random engineer who thinks it's cool to be in space i can see that if you're going to talk to people all around the world, they all put on their headsets. They've got facial recognition, which actually means your avatars are getting a little bit more accurate. And you can be in a beautiful office in the Shard, in a virtual environment. Mm. That seemed to be more replicating f- digital space and in the physical reality seems to be closer to what's going to end and I up. Think that it, but I think that's a really interesting point um, you've made there as well, is because to bring this kind of back, and, and I always love looking back at like what things, what happened when new technologies came in to the older technologies. And actually one of the most interesting things is when, when cinema was first introduced, and I go with me on this, what they did is for the first couple of years, they just filmed theatre. They, they just basically put a camera in front of the theatre and was like, yep, yeah, this, is, this is how we do like art on, on stage. And then what they kind of failed to realise was, well, actually in this medium, we can have multiple cameras and we can switch between them and we can do different stuff that just isn't possible on a theatre stage. And we evolved with the technology in order to do that. And I, and I think right now, what you've just said there is, it's almost, it's quite, it's quite weird that we, at the moment we are thinking about like this, you know, VR kind of metaverse and our digital infrastructure as, I just want to replicate what we were doing in the office. <laughs> yeah. I just want to replicate the exact thing we were doing in the office. Let because, me get comfortable yeah, with that. Exactly, exactly. And I think, I think in a, in a couple of years time, we'll be like, why did we, why did we do that? Like, why did we think that actually having a virtual meeting at the Shard was, was great? Why, why couldn't we have a virtual meeting um, and I've no idea what this could be, but you know, with kind of um, all the documents around the room or whatever we're kind of looking at or visualizing the project that we're talking about, and we can all be around that. You know, I, I've no idea. Um, you know, and if there is it, I'm going to try and trademark that. But um, you know, I, I think this is the kind of thing. It's about what can this technology unlock for me beyond just the known that I have in my head, the anchor that I'm comfortable with. I.e., this is where I sit. I sit next to these two people and we're going to go to lunch at this time and uh, you know that that's kind of it i don't talk to anyone from the fifth floor because god, you know god forbid it's kind of i think these kind of stuff is, is what we're trying to i think remote working and, and hybrid working really allows us to think well how do we rethink work like how do we really just rethink everything about having a job and completing the tasks in, in amongst our lives i mean that is just like the most damning accurate description of us we're like yes well, an office but it's digital and that, that, that sounds something i can understand and it's totally not that i think that's really like opened my eyes i i absolutely agree with that i think the visibility of being in the office and and we come onto this idea of like monitoring and i don't know if it taps into to the tool that you you now kind of sell but the reason we all sit around is that then people can see what you're doing and there's that engagement. And actually, dig- digital working should make it easier for people to join. Um, you know, we, we noticed that we were, uh, you know, junior members of staff were able to join calls that they would not have been able to join in, in a traditional manner just because meeting rooms aren't big enough. It might have been imp- inappropriate for, I don't know, the, the client or, or whatever. So there were definitely opportunities there. But that that sense of monitoring what people are doing, seeing what people are doing, 
uh, building that that network. I, I know some of the older older generation. I do think this is a bit of a demographic sort of shift. Um, you know, suggests that we're living on the, a borrowed network from before COVID, and we're still sort of running on the fumes of those relationships, and we're not built continuing to expand our, our networks at the ex, at the same pace at which we're relying on them. Um, so, how can we make sure that the networks we're creating digitally are of the same value and quality? Yeah, no, I, I think and that's a, it's, a, it's a good segue to, to what we're doing at, at Temporal um, because you know I, I'm fascinated about talking about this all, all the time. And I think look, there's, there's two things just before I kind of go into the question you just asked. There is that look, the reality is is that you know many companies kind of invented their remote work strategy in March 2020, two years ago, and have not really determined fully their kind of go back to work or whatever the status quo will be for the next couple of years. So I think think that's one. And we all remember that. We've got a memory of, <clears throat> you know, on Friday I'm in the office, on Monday everyone in the company is completely remote. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, and I think from that, what is an interesting thing as well is that the kind of the, the red tape has, has gone away for a lot of companies because if you think about, you know, a lot of larger organizations, they, they, could, they could somewhat hide behind, maybe that, that's the wrong word, that it just takes time. You know, we've got to make decisions. It, we, we can't improve or we can't better things in a, in a quick space of time because we, we we can't be that agile. Well, actually, March 2020, we all managed to work remotely pr- pretty much, you know, we, we, we figured it out pretty quickly. So the kind of, the, the game's up in terms of, you know, being behind, we can't change things quickly because we just can't because we're a big company and that, that's ridiculous. Well, you know, every company on the planet did it in a matter of days out of necessity. Um, but look, I think um, what you were talking about then is what we talk about all day, every day, and is this idea that you know remote versus office is is a dead conversation now. Um, it, it, it's it's hybrid is is firmly here, and you know the the digital HQ um, you know has arrived, and essentially, I think the most interesting thing at the moment this I think this will really resonate with with you guys is that the physical HQ is so intentional in its design. You know, everything is put in place for a specific reason, um, for, you know, for the employee experience. And, and again, you, you, you guys would know way more about this, but it's, it's extreme. You don't just get, get a floor plan and put chairs and furniture kind of randomly. Or maybe, maybe, some, maybe some companies do. Um, <laughs> <What else? laughs> um, but look, this is not the case for, for the digital HQ, right? If you think about like a, a Google, a Microsoft, a Slack, all of these kind of platforms that people buy for, to allow work to happen... It, it, a lot of the time, it's pretty much well. Here's your login, kind of. You know, here you go. You don't get taught how to use Calendar or Gmail or Docs. It's kind of. It's almost like we, we, you should know how to use that. So, so platforms like Slack or Microsoft Teams are now where a hybrid company lives. Like it is the key way employees connect and communicate, regardless of when or where they're actually working. And absolutely, there'll be people in office and out of office. But a lot of times it happens on these, it kind of comes together on these, these platforms. So they're not just workplace tools anymore. They firmly are the workplace. But what we find, and, and you know, 95% of companies that, that we work with, is they, they've, they've rolled them out in a very kind of unintentional, unsophisticated way. So what they find is they've got varying degrees of usage, impact, adoption, maturity, kind of right across these 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 tools that they're, they're paying money for. Um, and actually, it, it can be a little bit chaotic, especially when you get to large organizations. Um, and, and what we are doing at Temporal is we have a, a data analytics platform called Workbench, that integrates deeply with those workplace tools. So you plug our platform Workbench into existing tools. And we get asked a lot by clients just to provide them situational awareness. It's like, where are we now? Like, how are we currently using our tools? Where are we using it seemingly well? Where should we enact change? And how can I, when I enact change, understand the business impact of that? Because you think about you know, people join the business, for example, what is like, what is their onboarding experience? You know, are they integrating well with the rest of their organization or are they becoming isolated quickly? In a do, physical... you mean like, do you mean like, uh, if this is a physical version, <laughs> if you have 10 meeting rooms and four of them never get used because they're rubbish, well, you can see that they're not being used. Whereas in a digital platform, you're like, I, 
I guess we're all in it, so therefore it's 100% efficient. Yeah, like, Jazz, no. can you use an old world example to yeah. help Ben? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 explain it like I'm an eight-year-old. Mate. <laughs> no, no, I, I think, I think so, so for example, you think about like onboarding is a, is a, is a really interesting one, right? Um, it is, you know, trying to, if, if someone turns up for their first day or a group turn up for their first day, they're told, meet here, we're going to then give you a little tour of the office, you're going to meet some of your colleagues, I'm going to introduce them, you're going to have a buddy, you can physically see them in the office. You have that kind of coffee moment where you can like meet new colleagues, etc. Um, and and it, it's a known experience about, oh, this is how I join the particular office. This is how I join this particular company. Well, in a digital aspect, a lot of the times you're kind of thrown into, um, here's your login for Slack or, or Gmail. I don't know if you've ever used kind of Slack or you've, you've come across it too much, but you know, it, 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 sometimes if you join a company that's 10,000 people, you'll have thousands of different channels that are kind of pinging and, and, you know, lots of work's happening. And you're exposed to that from kind of moment one as soon as you join the company. You'll have a buddy system, but it'll all be done kind of digitally. And, and, and one of the issues is, is that if, if people aren't able to make connections or aren't able to engross themselves in conversations and, and kind of become part of the team and build those relationships... You potentially can become jarred. You can become isolated. Uh, do you know what? I think you're bang on there, Jazz. And in that way, it is like the real office. Uh, I find found that I had that experience with Slack. And I didn't know which of the channels were relevant. Where was all the juice? Where was actually the work getting done? Which ones were dead? I was kind of hunting around. But then that is a lot like joining an organization where you... You kind of make the wrong friend on day one and realize there's a reason they were very keen to kind of approach it. You know, there's, there are sort of parallels and that sort of that, 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 that feel, feeling of loss or, or, or feeling lost. I think, you know, that's, perhaps that's part of it anyway. But I, I like that idea that actually that sh- this is in relatively new channels and we need to manage them like you would an- anything else. So have a buddy system, actually set the Slack channels. Can anyone just start a new thing because they've, don't like someone else's powerful voice on another channel you know is that you know and i think what we're finding now is um it is again in a physical space it's easier to identify this kind of stuff right oh like ben seems isolated he seems he's having lunch on his own okay and just kind of let's bring him into the group and i think what what's happening again in platforms that that we're working with is a lot of the time when they're trying to improve it the analytics that they get as standard are, are pretty poor and very surface level so it's a lot about well this x percentage of people are using it so that must mean that it's it's going well but actually using it is one thing and and other things are you know kind of using it well is another thing but you think about what happens like how do you improve right now well a lot of the time people are doing surveys so they're asking people for voluntary information they are getting that voluntary information they're processing it which could take one week two weeks two months whatever it may be and then they're making decisions on the back of that information. And then the only way they can understand if their decisions or their interventions have improved the situation is by asking them again. Um, so that that's the kind of process that we meet a lot of companies in where we're in this flywheel. Now think about the onboarding example that I just gave. You're a new person who's joined a company. You've been out of work for six months. The onboarding experience has been a bit chaotic. You're kind of, I, I'm, I'm a little bit lost. And they put a survey in front of you it's probably very harsh. You're going to go, oh, actually, it was pretty terrible, actually. It was a really bad experience. Um, you know, it, it, again, you, you kind of human nature, um, to a lot of time, you're going to be, yeah, it was great. Yeah, you know, maybe it's just a very British thing, right? It's like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, great. I think, yeah, I think I'll criticize my brand new employer. In, on- <laughs> five out of five for everything, yeah. Whereas actually, what again, what, what we're doing is we're, we're allowing people, and ultimately the heart of what we do at Temporal is we, we allow companies to make better decisions, like using the data that already exists in the digital tools that they they've invested in in real time to understand changes interventions and how they're impacting their wider business you know like one of the big ones we we look at is we can look at working patterns so working patterns across different countries or different departments so if for example you're probably sitting there with a known data source which is our attrition data across the whole organization well in marketing we have a 20 percent higher attrition rate than any other particular department in the organization well, actually, what we can show on Slack is that your um, your marketing team is working two hours longer than any other department on Slack. Um, so maybe there's not they're not utilizing that platform yet, which could be the instigator of why people are leaving. And I think right now people are sat there with bits of information, but actually one of the, the biggest bits of information, i.e. 
how their digital infrastructure is used is a little bit blind to them. So they're having to make these decisions using more static information. Does Temporal sit on top of any of your other pieces of software? So if, or do you, do, you, do you have to live in Temporal for all this software to work? Or does it sit on Outlook, Teams, Slack? Or? So, no, so, it, it, uh, so Workbench is our platform. Um, essentially, you plug in um, the different, like, you know, you'll, you'll plug in kind of Gmail, you'll plug in Slack, um, and then the data surfaces on that particular platform to give you those real-time insights um into kind of what's happening and then you can splice and dice that data i think the 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 privacy is is absolutely paramount to what we do so there's we don't have the ability to look below six people because what we want to do is look at kind of a higher holistic level and for big organizations they they don't really care you know they don't really care about individual specific people it's more about where are the pockets of um difference across the business see that i think what's the that's the the, what i was going to get to is that these these Tools that map organizations and say how, what contracts you have in an organization, whether that's HR contracts or commercial contracts. Actually, no one knows, especially in old paper businesses. And I was going to say with this, this is to work out where there are inefficiencies or actually where there have been organic workarounds that are working really successfully. It's not to manage productivity and and individuals. It's to run efficiency so that you don't need various bits of software or actually this has become moribund. So, So I'm not hearing a sort of an HR application. This is a kind of management management tool. Yeah, and, and some of the interesting stuff comes from um, if you're a um, you know if you're a chief revenue officer in a large organization, you'll have CRM data, you'll have kind of Salesforce data to show these are our best performing sales teams. This is their pipeline. This is you know how much they're converting. This is their number. But actually, the interesting stuff comes from that's is the why. Like, and actually, by be able to show. Well, your best performing sales teams, this is their interactions. Like this is the way they communicate internally and also externally. This is the frequency they do that. This is the frequency they communicate with their biggest accounts. And it's like, well, how do we, re- I want to replicate that kind of right across to, to find, try and find that best practice on. Like, oh, that's interesting. So yeah. you, you can get a kind of, you can get a rough overview. Like, well, the reason that team's doing so badly and this team's doing so well, I can tell that they're messaging their clients a quarter of what the other teams are. It, yeah. it, exactly that. And I think, um, I, I think one of the, some of the most really interesting trends are coming from is, is to try and understand, like, what is the best makeup of a team? You know, I think, you know, informal influencers is, is one of the biggest things that a lot of people look to us for because, you know, working with one client at the moment who wants to understand like their blue hat employees. And I was like, I don't really understand what that is. And they're basically like, I, I want to really understand, um, like if I, have to, if I have to give a blue hat to everybody in the organization, who should I be giving it to first? Like in terms of communication information flow, where are the pockets where seemingly lots of information is going through a particular department or a particular area of the business? So it's like, well, they're the informal influencers. Again, in an office, a physical setting, quite easy to identify oh like ben's like he is a cornerstone of this then the culture or the hybrid and the way that the way a lot of the way a lot of times you'll do that is you'd ask people so you'd ask a question who do you go to for information or who do you think embodies the company culture whatever it may be whereas actually a lot of that information now exists in those platforms you could show well here's a visualization of your entire organization and here are the kind of this hub of activity is extremely efficient. This is where seemingly information is flowing in, flowing out, and people are using these platforms to the best they can be. And here's where people are really detached in this part of the business. And that could be a number of different reasons. That's, yeah, that's really interesting because we, um, I guess now people are shifting in the physical space. People, well, we're working with some people, they want a smaller office, but that doesn't mean they want less staff. They just, want a more consolidated, more intense office, but they want the flexibility to grow beyond the office space. So they're looking at what digital tools, you know, they can use to ensure that people who come in and people who work remotely still feel like they're part of the culture and they're still getting that experience. And I do think it's fascinating to try and, it's not to be like ruthlessly efficient, it's to just try and create a digital culture as much as Mm. a physical culture. I, I think all of that side so interesting. I feel like, you know, big buildings have wired scores, you know, they have yeah. to get a certain grade. I feel like going forward, companies will need to show, it'll be just as, what's your office like? What's your digital space like? I need to know what I'm getting. If you're just like a load of weird people with Teams and Outlook and this is completely confusing, I'm actually going to go and work at the company. There's a really efficient, really great way of working at home. Uh, absolutely. And and I think one of the things that's, that's super interesting about what you just said there is, 
the, the kind of the one of the growing concerns is this idea of proximity bias. So this is kind of inequalities between remote people and in-office people, which could <clears throat> kind of deepen structurally, structural inequalities kind of across the board. So there's a great um, uh, kind of a great report which launches once a quarter, which is called the Future Forum. Absolutely should check it out. Um, and basically what they talked about was um, kind of proximity bias being the kind of number one concern for kind of executives that they, they surveyed. And one of the most interesting things on the back of that is that of all the people going to the office in the US, white males are going in 17% more than any other demographic. Mm -hmm. So what you're seeing is this idea that, you know, the, the people who are around physically other people, you'd have a, a proximity bias to basically promote them or, or give them opportunities. Or And again, I think that that is... You know, I say human nature, but it's probably very it's, it's more difficult to to, to not do that. Um, uh, I mean, I'm speaking quite kind of loosely. <laughs> may may regret this, but actually, that demographic described have found it advantageous to them to be in that environment. So why not kind of replicate it and carry on pushing that? Whereas people who have found actually, I have diminished respect or opportunity in that environment. Actually, in the digital space, I'm judged just on the quality of my output. You know, they're pulling in a different direction. I, I, I think that's a big... Uh... Well, we've taken full advantage of that, right? Like, we know everyone's working remotely, so we've doubled down on being in London and going to meet people physically and, and taking full advantage of the competitive benefit that gives. I mean, it's so competitive. Why wouldn't you take... Oh, no, I'll come to your office. No, I'll go for a coffee. It's like... Or I can see each other for a half an hour Zoom call. It's, like, way better. Well, I think, I think that's, that's fair and a bit honest of us. Like, we, you know... I'm, a, I'm an extrovert. I like seeing people. I recharge my, I like partying. I like going out for dinner. You know, I like, I like those, that, that people, her personal relationship. And actually people say things that, that they don't say on a, on a podcast or in an email or that are recorded. Not sort of awful things, but just sort of indiscretions about colleagues or, or old employers. And, and there's a sort of, uh, you know, it's a slightly looser, looser thing. So I think there will always be a place for that. But I think that, you know, that introvert, extrovert, extroverts have had it so good for so long. And now actually you do, you are going to get that, you know, diversity of, 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 of success through the hierarchies of an organisation. So I think that's very good. What do you think are the big kind of barrier, barriers to people just really going for this? Because the tool you've described, to me, doesn't seem it's instead of the office. This is just something that could be overlaid over an organisation. So I don't see you have a sort of, particular agenda with this but do, do you see this as something that there is going to be an optimum amount of like of a hybrid solution and we'll find a rhythm of three days or, or whatever you know we, we we're talking to other guests about the four-day working week so people are just going to be working less anyway yeah. um and what with hybrid you know what, what does that mean for for people like us that, that design the built environment look i think I kind of tell us the answer <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it look it, it's, it's very difficult right i think people will always yearn for um for kind of you know kind of physical connection or connection in in general but there's, there's absolutely no doubt that kind of you know people going to the office all day every day is is is, is, is reduced and it's, it's never really going to fully come back but what I think you're going to happen is kind of when people get together, it's going to be extremely intentional, i.e. let's not just get together and just send emails and kind of sit there on video calls all day, every day. It's like, no, no, let's have more collaboration days. Let's really kind of use the space and the physical space to, to kind of get things done that just can't be done on a computer. And I think, you know, it, it's a lot of it. It's, it's, it's like brainstorming and it's a lot of kind of, you know, whiteboard kind of thinking. Um, I, I do think <clears throat> we're going to have just just a lot of kind of interesting stuff where I think you're seeing it in the US where a lot of, um, you know, cities outside of, say, you know, San Francisco or New York have really benefited from from the pandemic. You know, I think Austin and Miami and, you know, it, it, they also have zero state income tax on, you know, which is maybe, uh, you know, and also another thing. Um, but I think you're going to see people, and and I think London to a certain extent is, you know, Manchester is is doing incredible stuff right now because, and, and I lived there for for two years because it's it, it's cheaper. It, it kind of has a lot of what London has in terms of the kind of the, the the kind of buzz of the city. It's kind of the quintessential kind of ten minute city, which is you know a lot of people kind of talk about, and it, it's cheaper and actually for quality of life. And we're seeing you know the the macro 
kind of cost of living just kind of skyrocketing, I think it, it will probably see a, a kind of more of a diversity of kind of different cities, kind of people kind of migrating there. And maybe the, the city square mile is is probably going to just get a bit wider and actually people can be like well no i could i could we could meet kind of anywhere across the the center of london it doesn't have to be in this kind of really compact where i don't know what in its heyday but probably a million people every work day kind of went to and bank station was just a bit of a nightmare and and i think we're going to kind of see that because it's like we don't need to be in that i I think that's that's bang on we're we're here in our studio in, in east london and so many people also live in East London, and when they come over, they've come straight. They've dropped their children off at school. They're coming in their jeans. The conversation is different than if we were all like flapping around Good Street. You know, I, it, I totally buy that, and the content is actually different because people are doing it in a way that's, you know, you know, reflects them. I think. Uh, did you think? <clears throat> I think it not only so. Bill was mentioning about extroverts versus introverts, and we were having this conversation before you came, which is like. Does working remotely benefit introverts? You know, it's it, it's a much more that they control their environment. And I, I think like you, if I was choosing a new job or I was a 20 something person, you've got there's so many niche jobs now. I would I would have so many different variables now. It's like, well, does this suit my personality? How much remote working do they do? Do they want always in the office, hyper hybrid, all remote? I would it wouldn't just be the job, the work. It would also be the digital versus physical environment that, that, that they embrace, you know, I think I think that'd be fascinating. Yeah, and I, I think um, this is going to be a super interesting trend, which is going to be I think difficult for a lot of people. Um, kind of probably listening to this and, and us in the room is that if you think if you just made a good point there, if you think about yourself, kind of in a if you think about your younger self, it's almost impossible to detach yourself from what you know now. And I think what we're seeing now is a new generation of people coming who have never experienced the office, who have never experienced a physical space to go to work. And the longer that kind of goes on, you know, 5, 10, 15 years, it, it's just going to be absolutely alien. Like, why, why would I go to a physical space with hundreds of other people, which has an environmental cost, which, you know, has a, uh, you know, a, a health cost or, you know, or, or, you know, I have to buy my lunch in the city, you know, whatever, whatever those other things are, I could just do it at home like I always have. And I think we sit here because we've experienced the office and the good, the bad, the ugly of, of what physical working kind of uh, pertains. But I, I think it's going to be super interesting when you see this next generation come through who have no idea what it was like I mean, no, to be in the office. I'm going to play devil's advocate. Normally that means someone's going to say something really off colour. But, <laughs> uh, but the challenge that I see with it is that you know, I, I worked at a, a big architecture firm for years and I, I loved it. And I sat right next to uh, some brilliant architects and I was coached from being a pretty sort of average early hire to a team leader and a project architect. And I just sort of mimicked and baked and learned and repeated and eventually it became kind of second nature. I, I see that as quite difficult to replicate. but And I, I think... That's why I think there will always be a kind of physical connection. And my worry of having a whole generation of people who who, uh, who are working remotely is that the idea that you're this asset that sits there pouring out onto a machine the skills you have, and you're not actually recharging and, and, and growing that asset at the same rate. And they might end up feeling sort of sh- shortchanged. But, but I, there was such innovation and excitement and, and sort of intellect in this space that that is a problem that I'm sure will be just blown away with some great, great solutions. And on that, I'm going to drop you on the spot and say, you're our prop tech guru, or as close as we've come to it. And I, I wonder if there is a big problem in property that has yet to be solved that you think could be solved with a technology solution. I, I haven't primed you for this at all. So I just think, you know, a lot of them revolve around retail and consumers and buying and selling houses and mortgage agreements and tenant relationships and things like that. And then there's a whole other area of site, snagging, construction, prefab and all of that kind of thing. But they're, they're all in these little silos. And I wonder if you think that there is a sort of challenge out there that any any big brains listening could, could solve. I, I think there's a couple of things that just genuinely interest and, and kind of excite me. And I think... Um, for me, kind of the the overall utilization of space, I think, is is something that, especially as we think, kind of, we're more environmentally conscious moving forward. I think it's just going to be super interesting. You think about some of the offices in in London, and they're just they're the behemoths. You know, you look at them, you're like absolutely gigantic. And 
Yeah, it's, it's a monster. Um, but I think what you're seeing is that, um, and, and you talked about it before, is probably a lot of organizations are going to be going into the office that like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That, that, that's, that, that, that We're seeing kind of this kind of trend of, you know, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Well, does that, does that mean on Monday and Friday they are um, kind of empty and they're not, they're not utilized? Well, actually, the, the great thing about something like London is there's an amazing abundance of great, creative, young, you know, um, cash poor a lot of the time kind of organizations. Well, actually, could there be an opportunity to kind of almost share this, share some of the space to, um, I almost kind of liken it to, you think about hotel rooms or kind of when you book plane tickets. If you want to book a plane ticket on a Monday morning going to Paris, it's probably more expensive than booking it on a Wednesday afternoon um, because you're kind of that business travel. And why can't offices be the same where it's kind of, well, if you want to book a meeting room on a Monday at 9 a.m., that's going to be a lot cheaper than booking it on a Thursday lunchtime where a lot of that's kind of a more of a preferable kind of time period. And I think, you know, we're, we're probably going to see, there's, a, as you said, people are taking smaller spaces, um, but be, the, there's still lots of space out there, especially in something like London, it's kind of like, how do we fully utilize all of this particular space where we can be just much more creative? And this could even be for retail units, right? Retail units in the evening, which, you know, are kind of closed and empty. Is there an opportunity to activate that space with something else that can be pop-ups? Or Again, I have no idea. But so, it- Totally. And then there's this big move towards uh, organizations like Convene that sit within an office building that will yeah. manage all your meeting experience and everything. And you can expand and contract as you want. And it's the sensible use of space and it's the environmental solution. I guess that leads to, are we moving away from... We are, we are, we are Google. This is, well, Google's a bad example, but, but, you know, we are Facebook. This is our employee experience to actually our experience is the people you work with and the respect with which you're treated, not a giant gummy bear machine or a, or a, or a table tennis. Actually, there's sort of brand identity, physical headquarter building. Is that, does that look like the old, the old days now? Actually, we're we looking towards what, what the needs of your, you know, Jazz and Ben are—they're not actually not that far off. Yeah, I think I think we talked about this before about you know like ultimately nobody's going to turn around and be like, I wish my experience at work was worse. And, and I think probably a lot of people have looked at tech, for example, and gone, you know, they wear trainers, they you know they're wearing hoodies, and they you know they they earn as much money as I do working twelve-hour days at, at you know at, at investment bank or, or whatever wherever someone may have worked and I think I think people have really looked past and it's a very fortunate thing to say but I think people have looked past kind of just I want to go for the highest salary like that you know that that I think there's probably a tendency in the past to maybe look at is, I just want to get wherever I get paid the most that's all I that's all I want whereas actually people have I, th- I think anyway and I can only speak for myself is it's like taking a step back and gone you know as long as I'm in this particular range but actually these things are really important to me you know, the, the digital experience that I get from my workplace tools, the kind of the, the brains and the information that I'm surrounded by, you know, am I challenged every day? Do I believe in this particular product? Am I safe? Am I comfortable? I think those kind of stuff have, have really come to the fore. Whereas I think companies like, uh, you know, Facebook, just because you mentioned them or Meta as they're, 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 now, they're now known, um, you know, <clears throat> there's a big fight for talent because they, they it can't just throw keep throwing kind of money at people and be like, well, we're Facebook, we can kind of dictate the market because, you know, questions have come on Facebook about, you know, the ethics behind the business and their overall business model. And there's probably people out there who are like, I don't really want to work for a, a company like that. Um, whereas a couple of years ago, it was a bit angelic. And we'll see other companies with this, right? You know, I think in the in the crypto space, and you know, it's it's all coming for kind of anyone, right? It's kind of like, I, I want to work for a company that I really believe in. I think this is where the um, the kind of ESG initiatives really come in. You know, if there's an organization um, that is, and you know, I'm sure the fuel companies are really feeling this, right? Trying to attract kind of young talent is if you're an oil company. Um, you know, people are just going to go, I want to work for a company that's environmentally conscious. I want to work for a company that really is doing as much as they can in this particular space and is trying to, it, it, they, they, they link with my beliefs because I think this isn't just a work-life balance anymore. This is kind of a work-life integration. And I think people, if they're working for, um, you know, one particular organization, but their beliefs are completely binary 
I don't think that will sit right with a lot of people. Um, and people want to be expressive in work, in LinkedIn, and you know, on Slack and stuff. And, and we are moving towards a kind of more pluralist lifestyle, where if, if our working week is getting shorter, then our hobbies are becoming more semi-professional or revenue generating for two days a week. And, and, and actually, you have a project to raise your children, you have a project to support your partner, you have a project to design great buildings you have a project you you know and you sit on a board of a charity or whatever actually the work has got to be c- kind of congruent with all of those other commitments that you have that that, that build up on life yeah, i t- totally see that i had a t- for, for temporal then move, like, do you have any meta aspirations metaverse ideas at virtual spaces is it is it just a, a background piece of software or is it part you know i no, click in and uh, i have a whole experience no, and there's a visual uh, experience i, I to think it. i think you know Again, what we try and do at Temporal is ultimately our mission is to allow organizations of all different shapes and sizes to make the best decisions that they can. And, and what we're doing is we're, we're kind of unlocking and utilizing the data that exists in the investments they've already made in things like Google, Microsoft and Slack. I think the way we present that right now is is a is a platform where people log in, they're able to understand kind of information flow like utilization like how their organization is is working to a kind of a wider sense and ultimately how do people want to digest that information right now it's it's a SaaS platform that they can go on and kind of see how oh we made this announcement yesterday like are trending topics across the organization are they resonant with the message that we have put out yesterday like can we quantify if that communication has been successful and we have the data to show Hey, we announced this yesterday, and the topics across the board are are resonant with the message that we had. That <laughs> you know, that that kind of that kind of shows it. Whereas now they're kind of like, I, th- I think I think people understand that. I think people like that, and I think however people want to digest that information is is however however they want to. I think ultimately what what we're doing is we're just allowing people to to save time by providing those insights in a really coherent, interesting way protecting the investments that they've already made in those particular platforms and like unlocking further quality from the data that already exists in their platforms and whatever medium they use to do work will just evolve with whatever that but ultimately we're just about like is this working for you is is this actually allowing you to be more intentional in the design of your digital infrastructure yeah, it is. It's interesting. I I downloaded what was it that time, bro. And anyway, I had a free trial, but it because I'm literally living in my laptop. Everything that I do work wise is all done through the laptop. To have something, it's all private, but it logs everything you do from the second you log in, what email, website, and it just go and it. After two weeks, like the metrics I had were just mind blowing. It's like, do I really spend that long on LinkedIn? Or oh, I didn't realize my average start time is this, my average finish time is this. Oh, sometimes I'm working way later than I thought. And did, I did it, does it, did it, did seeing that drive personal change? That, I mean, that did was, you see? That was about lot? to say. After two weeks, I deleted it because I wasn't changing my behavior. It was just really like like having a sleep analysis on your watch or a step count. You're like, it's just interesting to know what it did. That's why I'm curious. Like as a business. Like when you have all that data, like how do you then use it to change stuff? And Can I add one thing to that? And that I think that there's an overlay here between it is to do with the employee experience. This, this is about getting accurate information about people's welfare or responsiveness to campaigns without having to say, do you give our campaign a five out of five? It's much more accurate. So I think it's not just a management tool. I think it's an employee experience tool. And the other thing I was going to ask was about the data from one company I mean, the, there will be privacy issues around it, but can those behaviors, do, the, do they feed a bigger mind at Temporal? Yeah, n- not, uh, this is one thing, like benchmarking is a lot, a lot of companies ask for this. It's like, you know, how are we doing against everyone else? Um, and, and right now we, we benchmark against the organization itself. So what we're doing is we're basically, of all your departments, all your countries, if we're looking at kind of, um, you know, average working hours, or average response time or whatever it may be, these are the outliers. These are the areas which are very different from the rest of the organization, i.e. they're much quicker responding or they're much slower responding. And how, how do you, basically what you want to do is have a somewhat consistent experience right across the board um, as an ideal. I think all this will come, um, but I think right now we're still in a bit of infancy in terms of how people are utilizing these tools. I think it's, we're still in that kind of 
you know, what is your makeup? You know, people prefer Google Meet to Zoom or they prefer Microsoft Teams or, and I think right now benchmarking company to company, there's just too many different factors that that kind of make that up. And I think, whereas in the office, um, I always find it funny when you see the, especially the kind of the, the big four consultancies kind of, uh, the, a lot of their offices normally are like very, very close to each other. So it's clear, it's like, well, EY, I've got an office there, PwC, I want an office right next door. And I think in London on South Bank, they're literally kind of right next door to each other. So I think, I think we're way away from that in terms of the digital environment. But I think that'll start to come, right? So you want to, what is best in class? What is the best way to actually use these where my experience of the employees can be the best it possibly can be? And I think, um, you know, one of the things that um, we always talk about, it really fascinates me is, it, it, for me, it's not on the individual to ultimately kind of make the changes to make their experience better. It is a systematic change from 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 the top, from the organization to how do we create this environment to be the best it can be so people have the best chance in order to to succeed. If I mute my notifications on my emails and my <laughs> Slack, it's kind of just putting a plaster on the, the situation because as soon as I log in, I'm like, oh, this is just chaotic basically. Um, and it, you know, it pertains, there was a, an article when they talked about this about how you know, the the oil companies, the big organizations, they're the ones that really need to make the systematic massive changes in order to, to truly affect environment. We can do what we can and, you know, we do do what we can, but ultimately we need that systematic change from governments, from large, you know, organizations in order to see kind of true parity. And maybe that's an extreme example, but I think we see that with with the, the virtual workspace and, and the physical workspace, you know, organizations, you know, what's the ROI on them having an incredible office in an incredible location in the center of London for their, for their employees? You know, that, that's something that, 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 you know, they're always trying to work out. Like, you know, Google's behemoth building in King's Cross, you know, like they spent a lot of money and time and resource and effort and intentional aspect on that. And what we're saying is, well, your digital experience is as important as that. You can't just be like, well, here's your email. You know, you know how to email, kind of good good luck. It's like, no, no, we need to be more conscious about this. And I think that that's ultimately where we see the market going in hybrid. It has to be, it's always a combination of both. I guess we're coming to, towards the end. What, what is a, like a chance to pitch here? I mean, I, I've got a strong sense of what that, what your organization does. Like it's really, really interesting. What What is the perfect size? Like what is a client who you think would get maximum value from something like this i noticed you say you can't go smaller than six so we're probably not the right organization at this stage but yeah look where, where we've seen the most success is companies kind of 500 to 3000 who are wall-to-wall -wall google or slack because that, that's just an ecosystem this kind of best of breed ecosystem that we really like kind of google slack potentially salesforce um and they are they have invested in those platforms for the foreseeable future as this is where work is going to happen, regardless of when or where our employees are. And what we say to them is, how are you currently quantifying the success of your digital infrastructure? Like, how do you know this is currently optimized for your employees to flourish? And a lot of the time, the answer is not really. Um, so what that that's where we're able to come in. We're able to provide like, because this is currently how your platform, how your digital infrastructure is being used at a very holistic level, providing that situational awareness. Like this is the good, the bad, the ugly of your entire organization as you've quite simply never seen it before. And then it's like, well, we're going to create interventions. We're going to create change management. What we're doing is we're giving the company the data, the information to then go to business owners in that, in that organization to go, hey, the CMO, you need to create some interventions to really help this these specific parts of your organization. You know, the comms aren't quite landing here. Your part of the organization is working 40% longer than any other part of the organization. You know, you're um, you know, you're in um 60% more channels than anywhere else in the organization. You know, it's kind of providing that information to then them for them to make the interventions for them to try and understand how what is the business impact of this in our part of the organization instead of right now we're seeing a lot of companies kind of making sweeping announcements sweeping changes i don't message anyone after 6 p.m or 7 p.m 
it doesn't quite work across the board. You've got to try and be a bit more intentional with your time and resource to go, actually, the stem of the problem is in marketing or it's in sales or it's in the India office or it's in here, wherever it may be, trying to be much more intentional and pinpoint interventions rather than being really sweeping with that. So yeah, that that's essentially what, what we do and what we've unlocked for companies kind of in the, those particular sizes. I guess like... What's so fun, and we touched on so many things that we're actually going to do other podcasts about. So like we talked about, you know, this hyperflex space. So Souk, uh, the founder of Souk's coming on, they do those retail units that have like hyperflex spaces. So they can be a yoga studio in the morning, a shoe sales shop in the afternoon, and it can be a cocktail bar in the evening. And just once a week, they can change it. So it's like, they, it's a shop that we can use like for 10 different things in one day. And then we were talking about like productivity. Well, the guy, Andrew Barnes, who wrote the four day work week, he's in New Zealand. He's coming over in like a month and he's coming on. And I'm fascinated because the, the reason I loved Time Bro was like, oh, I could see when I was productive. And I don't mean like outcomes, what I did, but like, oh, you only get like an hour in the morning and an hour and a half in the afternoon of like uninterrupted work time. How can you increase that? And I thought all those are really, really interesting. And then I think our last one is like, we just want to know, like should like should offices be hyper flexible now should they not so i think all of those podcast topics are all coming up so um that's it but thank you so much for coming on i think we've uh, hit everything there <laughs> thank you jazz no honestly really enjoyed it and thank you so much guys great just to yeah to chat brilliant brilliant thanks